Try Folgers, the mountain-grown coffee. Mountain-grown for better flavor. The stronger the grass, the greater the distortion of perception and judgment. A hippie speedball is coffee and cannabis. Welcome back to the Hippie Speedball Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're listening on Apple, go to them stars that you see, go one, two, three, four, five, and then leave a little review saying, hey, Joe, I like your show. It's a fun show to listen to. So uh, as I've told people before, I've been building up lots of friends in the cannabis community, uh, You know, especially down in Las Vegas. There's a lot of people in the Vegas scene that are really showing lots of love from my time down in G4 Live and the Bud Tender Awards event. And I've been meeting lots of really cool people. And today I got one of those cool people to come on the show from the media and cannabis company culture and cannabis please welcome jc Coates to the hippie speedball podcast bro thank you so much for taking your time to come hang out with me man of course brother i appreciate the time thank you man yeah thank you. yeah of course of course like we were talking about before uh i jumped on the before we started before we started the show you know we were just saying you know like you're a huge inspiration to the cannabis community man and for someone like me that's really on a journey to improve my mind body and soul to see your story and what you've done and what you've accomplished and what you're doing now and where you're going is such like an amazing inspiring story so we need to go ahead and jump into this so let's go to the head of the genesis of your cannabis experience tell me about your first experience with cannabis man your very first time smoking um <clears throat> cool with, with that, thank you for the kind words man it means the world to me um of course it really does thank you um my first time using cannabis man it was a long time ago <laughs> um you know you know oddly enough and, and it's almost a tragedy i don't actually remember this the first time i smoked weed isn't that awful okay it is such an anticlimactic thing you know but i i think you know when when but i could kind of describe what was going on right in, in the world right like the um the chronic had just dropped dr dre's um album you know i was in seventh grade i was like 13 years old in oklahoma city um you know, it was there was the gangster rap influence, but it was also like the grunge movement, Nirvana, what was mm. going on, and it was just, um, you know, bell bottoms were back in style, uh, oddly enough, but um, it, it was a different time, right? And and um, you know, we we just bought joints at school, and and we would smoke them on lunch, and, and we would listen to music and um, and get high, man, and, and connect with each other in a way that we've never really been able to to do right through through the plant. And and I smoked weed, man, from like the, that that was like the thirteenth. I was thirteen years old. It was around se- seventh grade, and I just smoked weed ever since <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. a, what a, what an amazing time to be smoking weed for the first time where all that amazing music is coming out i'm like because i was you know a, a ba- i was born in 1990 so i was just like a baby whenever all of that music yes. was coming out but i'm so jealous of those that actually got to sit there and enjoy it and listen to it i can't imagine like nothing but a g thing being a new song on yeah. the radio like just hearing that that yeah. like you know and then like that feeling of lighting up a joint when you're listening to that freaking album and then yeah. all the amazing stuff from seattle that was coming out man that's freaking dope hell yeah it was dope. i mean he, dr Dre literally taught us how to smoke weed you know right including the white kids from you know middle america it was crazy you mm-hmm. know but yeah that was that was the time hell yeah and so how has your relationship with cannabis evolved since then um you know i i've probably a bunch of different ways right um 
but my my parents, my stepdad was quote unquote an alcoholic and had sobered up in AA mm. um, around the same time when I was around um, 13, 14, 15, right? And so they had this skewed vision of just about everyone on on what cannabis was. And so um, just about the time that I first started smoking weed was just about the same time that I f- first got caught smoking weed. <laughs> I was never really slick right and so my my parents um when they caught me smoking weed um the empathetic view is you know my parents thought were scared right and worried that their their kid was going to go down um, the wrong path and they wanted to um you know step in and see if they could change that and their their decisions were, were to put me in a rehab center no less right and so i had um went to my first rehab when I was 14 years old and it was a 30 day rehab and I had only been smoking weed for about, you know, six months or whatever. And so it was a really weird experience for me. And then, um, and then I got out when I got out of that, that rehab, you know, I started smoking weed again with my friends and it started this pattern from the time I was 13 to, um, 17 where I was in and out of drug rehab centers. And so I didn't go to high school, um, I missed out on all of high school. I didn't go to prom or any of that stuff. Um, at 10th grade was my last year of school. And so I had, you know, I, I have a weird relationship with drugs and alcohol from that experience. Um, I thought that I had a disease um, and I, I would go to AA and try to stay sober because that's what I thought I would do. Right. And so my relationship with cannabis from the very beginning was, kind of a rough one, right? A, a shaky one. Um, but, um, over the years that it was, it had changed a lot, you know, and, um, you know, the, I guess the, the kind of the rough part was it from it was the belief system that was kind of set up in my mind through the rehab centers. Um, you know, every time that I would smoke weed, I would feel so guilty. Right. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, you know, Oh, I've relapsed. Right. Oh, I'm letting all these people down all this stuff. And so I had this, this really like, toxic relationship with drugs and alcohol um and and um you know to fast forward kind of my, my relationship with it now is um you know i i it, it's a i hate to be so long-winded here no you're okay <laughs> but that, bud. That was, you're okay <laughs> yeah, was, the, was the question how, how was my relationship in the beginning because yeah. if so that that was how that's how it started yeah um, so but it, it, it's taken many twists and turns over the years. Well, yeah, no, that totally makes sense because it kind of like evolved as like the, you know, kind of like the world's perception of cannabis evolved, you know, because I had a really similar experience at the beginning myself because my, my parents were like super anti-pot. Like my mom actually didn't, she wasn't going to put me in rehab. She actually was just going to put, she actually threatened to have uh, police dogs come to the house and she was just going to have me arrested. Like that's what she (laughs) wanted to do. Like she was just a full on narc, but she, uh, and it was a very, very similar experience where there was just kind of like this really negative stigma around it. So almost every time you did it, you kind of like felt guilty, but you're also like, you know, you're not hurting anybody at the same time. You know, it's like, it's much more safe for me to do this than anything else, but yet you're still making me feel bad about it. So it was like this weird little, um, you know, this kind of little just moral dilemma that was constantly going through. And then, and then, but it seems like as the world's perception of cannabis has changed, like, it's almost like we kind of feel like, I, I don't know about you but me personally since we have been you know smoking for a long time long before legalization now that the world's perception has finally changed about it you're kind of just like hey i was right huh 
Like it's not so fucking bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it, I mean to think about like the stories that I just told you, and think about what we're accomplishing now in the cannabis industry—it's nuts, right? isn't it? Like, crazy! It is completely, it's completely nuts. It's right? amazing, and I love that. I love that we both get to raise kids in a world where it's not going to be so demonized. You know, like to where they right. can see it, like as the the medicine or the you know the community peace pipe that it is. You know, it's like that that right. that whole feeling that we all got from it and it's not going to feel like it's a bad thing anymore. So that was actually a perfect transition because one of the things I wanted to talk about was the origins of culture and cannabis. So, I mean, I, I really love your guys's brand. I've been, I, you know, checking out your guys's page and I've been listening to your guys's podcast and it's freaking dope, man. So tell me how that all got started and you guys are evolving into some really big things, which I also want to talk about. So tell me the, tell me the genesis of culture and cannabis, bro. Well, so, um, so, you know, when I became a young man, um, so, some of the things that I found out that I was good at was um, DJing and throwing events. Mm. Um, but I, I, when I first became a DJ, I was a struggling DJ. And I was one of these guys that never got booked, right? <laughs> um, and we all know that DJ, you know, he's always like, book me, bro, book me. Yeah, you know? right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I learned, I learned quickly that the best way to do it, to, to get booked was to produce my own events. Right. Mm. Um, and so, and so I've played all over the country with some of the biggest DJs in the world because I booked myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, so cool though. That's so fucking punk but, um, rock. I love that. I, and I, and I, I always love to share that principle with the up and coming DJs because it is the best way to do it. And for me, it, it taught me the principles of event marketing and I got really good at event marketing and I did events for years and years and years. I didn't really re- realize the power and the value of them when I was doing them. Cause back then we were throwing raves um, from 99 to, uh, to like 2009, just to kind of qualify myself to who I was when I started culture and cannabis. Um, but I had big dreams to, I was living in Oklahoma city at this time. And I I had, I had dreams to become like the biggest concert promoter in the, in the country. I've always been really ambitious. And I knew that I had to get out of Oklahoma to accomplish that. And I had moved to, um, I moved to Nevada with 500 bucks and a dream when I was 26 years old. Um, to, to, um, you know, accomplish my dream of becoming, you know, one of the biggest concert promoters in the country. Um, but it would have been 10 years before I would even get a chance to really participate in any of those dreams. Because when I moved, I brought with me an opiate addiction, um, and some, some alcohol addictions that I had to deal with and sort out before I would have a chance to, um, be able to, um, bring value to the cannabis community. Right. And, um, that's a whole nother story, but I was able to get through all that. Um, I was able to, um, overcome a, an addiction to methadone that I had for almost 10 years that I had to go to the, the, the clinic every day. And I, I got through all that through cannabis. Um, mm. and at, you know, when I was, when I was addicted to the methadone and all this stuff, I wasn't really using a lot of cannabis. So I was kind of like re reintroduced to cannabis, um, through its value of helping me get through um, the, the withdrawals of, of opiates, mm. and when I when I finally when I finally got through that, it was a big unlock for my life, and I started to do events again, um, and it was like it was just such a trip, right? It was like after ten years, I finally started to get to start on what I what I came out here to do, right? Mm. And I started producing events, and I started producing. Um, 
all kinds of events. And one particular event that we were doing that was kind of popular, it was called um, Networking and Informative. Um, and it was a small business mixer. But my thing was I hated small business mixers because they were so stuffy and it was yeah. just like, you know, <laughs> awkward and all that shit. But I knew that, I, you know, networking was valuable mm-hmm. and people saw that as value. And so we created this business mixer that was dope and it was in a different rooftop venue in Vegas um, every month. And so it rotated into these really cool venues. We booked different um, DJs and we made this really cool hip environment for people, you know, small businesses to come um, network. And I saw the value of producing these style of events that brought value to small businesses and was kind of like a platform for other businesses and brands to, to take part in. And, 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 and I, I stayed committed to that. And I, de- I delivered that event for every year, every month for like two and a half years. And it grew pretty big to about a thousand attendees every month. Mm. Um, and that was from like 2014, um, to 2015. 2015 is when cannabis became legal in Nevada. Um, there was a medical program, but it was it was nothing like it is now, right? And so they had just kind of um, released a bunch of retail licenses and dispensaries started to open up with our medical program for the first time in 2015. And there was a bunch of like cannabis um, regulatory laws, right? It's really hard to market your dispensary to patients in Nevada due to the, the marijuana advertising guidelines. And so our um, some of the dispensaries owners started coming to our networking informative events, right? And they met me and they saw how powerful these events were. And they thought, JC, maybe we can get JC to produce an event for our dispensary so we can, um, you know, drive more patients to our store. And so that's what they did. They approached me and they, they commissioned us to, to create an event for them to do just that. Um, and the event that, um, that I came up with was, was called Culture and Cannabis. And we produced this event concept for them that highlighted the culture of cannabis and how, it, um, how the culture transcended from the plant into people, art, music, and food. Um, and it was just this, this, this kind of this, this beautiful kind of thing that was born you know and um after all the shit that i'd been through right it was like um i knew that i had something special because of the way that the community um responded to the event how many attendees um i had been doing so many events for so many years i i could just tell that this was something special um and that's how that's how they that's how culture and cannabis started um but just really quick so like that that event was kind of during the gray days of regulations and that dispensary that commissioned us to do that. Um, they thought it would be a good idea to give away free samples at the front door, which was highly against regulations. Yeah. Um, they got a letter from the state the next day. Um, and so we didn't get to produce that event for that dispensary anymore after that one event. Uh-huh. However, I saw the value, like I just stated in the event, in the community, we kept the event, but buttoned it up, made it compliant. And, and and executed that event on a monthly basis for four years before we ever had products in Nevada. That's, so that's how we started. That's amazing, dude. I love that. So did you have like any inclination when you first started that it was going to be blooming to what it is right now? I mean, I knew you, th- I knew you said you had like something special. What was it about it that made it so special? So like, you know, just, just like 
the reactions, right, uh, through the promotion, right? Just like, you know, I'd make the Facebook event and I'd make a post within the event and there'd be like 50 comments. Nice. You know what I mean? If you've ever made a Facebook event, <laughs> it's hard to get interaction. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. things like that, right? And, and, then, and then getting it to be able to meet the people in the community was really special to me. Like every, you know, people like me to all kinds of different colors, shapes and sizes and ages, um, that that was what made it really special for us. Nice. And I, I love what you guys are tackling with, with getting the, the cannabis culture, like as a holistic sense, because that's exactly what I try to do with here on the hippie speedball, you know, everything from musicians to business owners to, uh, you know, cannabis, you know, freaking people and to, you know, people that don't even smoke at all, but they're just allies to the plant, you know, like, you know, it's, I, I like that you guys are bringing all of that stuff together. And I think that that's something that's really going to have a lot of longevity because like you 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 know like you experienced from the very first time you did the event there was you know just this amazing holistic energy about it and it's just going to keep snowballing too and i'm really really excited so as it keeps going what do you see your ultimate vision as for culture and cannabis yeah and and just and just to get back to your your question right before it's like you know we i just wanted to do the biggest cannabis event on the west coast that's as much as I could see in my mind at nice. that time. But to me, that was a huge vision. Right? Yeah. I never saw myself having products in three different states and all that stuff. <laughs> so that, that was that was what I wanted. But I, I'm sorry. What was what was the question that you just asked me? Where do you where do you see us going, or where do yeah. I see us going? What's your what's so- your ultimate vision? So so like when we had in 2019, we just did our first licensing deal. And I had planned out the whole year, um, like to the T with the dates, um, bookings, events. I had it all like the, 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 um, nitty gritty details. Um, I should say the micro details planned out. Mm. Right. And I was really, really steadfast about the micro details. None of those, as, as you know, and for us and everyone else in 2019, nobody's year turned out. Yeah, the way that it was supposed to because of COVID, right? And I and I learned I learned from that, right? And I learned that the micro details don't really matter the the most, right? Because mm-hmm. you you can't you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And that what you don't know that you don't know is always right around the corner every mm-hmm. single time, and so that will inherently uh, greatly affect the minor details, right? And so I've I've learned to kind of take a step back and be able to just um, be okay with shit kind of going a little bit different and deal. um, But be more focused on the overarching um, vision of what we Mm -hmm. want. Right. And so, um, you know, I want to, I want to send right now we're in Oak. We sell products in Nevada and Oklahoma at the end of this month. We're going to be, we're taking a few meetings in Arizona. So I expect to be, um, have products in the Arizona market by the end of first quarter. Um, and then I want to set up like tri-state concert events. Um, you know, I'm going to stay away from the, 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 the actual bookings and the actual dates, but, but that's the goal that I want to have. I want to have, you know, events that are similar in all three States that have uh, corresponding, um, you know, product drops with all that. I want to, I want to add more, um, content creators to our media repertoire, right? For example, like, you know, Con, uh, podcasters like you, right? Like we could set up a deal. We just signed a um, a comedian that does a podcast, and 
we're going to um, put his podcast on our platform and then split the ad revenue with him. So I want to get more deals like that with more content creators, mm. more media people to come under the the culture and cannabis media site to where we just have so much free media. It's just crazy. Right. Um, and then just sell more products, more products, more products, and really just tighten up, um, you know, like our sales procedures, um, tighten up our execution on the way that we um, execute our content um, and, and get, get our asses into Arizona. Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that's, man. Our, that's our goal for this. That's my goals for this year. That is amazing. I, I love, I love the holistic vision you have for it, especially with using all the different media sources and creators and binding them together because, well, and, and it's so important right now with how crazy the media is and nobody can trust them, you know, putting it in the community slash private sector is going to be really the way to go. And and with cannabis in particular, because how many people, you guys fell victim to this too, uh, freaking Instagram pages getting shut down, you know, and all these different, yes. these different people that built these platforms forever and then instagram's just like no they're just like right. can't have it here so that's going to be so right. important as that grows man like and that's freaking awesome you guys' podcast is really great too i love listening to your guys' podcast you. i mean you guys have really really dope conversation i was just listening to your uh year in review yesterday actually and it sounds like you guys are you guys had an amazing amazing time and you guys have a lot of big things in the works man so i'm really really fucking pumped and i'm, I'm excited to be you know and uh, I'm excited to be friends with you now, man, because it's going to be it's going to be great whenever I make it down to Vegas and we can freaking hang out together. I want to work out with you. That's one thing I really want to do, man. Let's fucking work Let's out together, es especially since we both hit the gym basically at the same time. So, I mean, you're freaking getting after it yeah. super early in the morning, too. So that's that's and I have to get after it early in the morning, because if I don't, I probably won't like if throughout the day. Like yeah. I just I know that my day just gets, you know, uh, taken away from me and stuff. But yeah, as I was yeah. saying, I mean, you guys, uh, your guys is, you know, what you guys are doing is going to really put a boost in the rockets of the cannabis scene because right now there's a lot of people getting stifled by all the censorship and pages getting shut down and, you know, the shadow banning is getting crazier and crazier. Like yeah. it's at a time where I couldn't even find you guys when I searched for you guys on Instagram. It was such bullshit. Yeah. It, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And so what you guys are doing is going to be so much more important as the, as time goes on, because we need more we need more motivating voices like in the cannabis space you know to kind of just get you know get the shit in gear because these last two years have really just like it, it like emotionally was like getting put in the ring with mike tyson it's like we all just got the shit beat out of us and we we tried swinging yes. but then yeah. we can't get past those bobs and weaves and it tightens up and keeps moving <laughs> you know it's so we right. it's it's been brutal and we need more voices that are going to really be trying to like boost people up like yourself man because everything you've been through I mean, it's, you know, God puts you through that. So that way you can tell people, hey, you can get through it, you know, take your bitch pants off and let's fucking do this shit. <laughs> I love yeah. it, man. I love yeah. it. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. And it, and it, people like, like, you know, and I'm, I'm myself really guilty of this, too. Like we, we tend to th make things a lot more complicated than it needs to be. But, you know, if you just if you just decide just to act it's it's amazing how much momentum you can start keep going. It's just by taking those initial steps. Like, are, do you ever listen to? Uh, you probably listen to Jocko Willink, probably right. I do. I've read his books. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoy Jocko. Yeah, yeah. And so he has. The, he, um, 
he has a really good philosophy on that about saying like, you know, really the hardest part about getting your workout going is getting out of bed. Like once you do that and then it's like, okay, well now I'm already here. Let's go ahead and get my shoes on. Now that your shoes are on, you might as well get your keys. Once you get your keys, you might as well go to the car, you know? And it's like, they're just one little step after another, you know? And I think that's, and I think that's dope to be able to have those kinds of voices in the cannabis space, because like I said, it's not really one that's there. So much love and appreciated for that, my friend. No, thank, thank you, man. Be, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I believe in it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I think that, you know, men need, need, need to hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, some of those, you know, and I, I like to speak to women too, but I'm a man, you know what yep. I'm saying? And I, I, I like to speak to men because, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of young men don't, don't get those voices. Right. Or, yes. you know, maybe they don't have been around the right leadership or they've been stuck hanging around the wrong people, but, you know, <clears throat> there's a way to happiness and there's a way to be successful and there's a way to be, um, you know, find inner peace as a man, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, taking extreme ownership, right. Is a big part of that. Like, you know, it it changed my life. Right. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, it's all my fault and I wouldn't want it any other way. Right. Because if, if it's not my fault, then I can't get better. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. and and you know, that's but, and like you said that that is very very important especially honestly like for a lot of men to be able to hear because like we you know there's a uh, there's the, a lot of men have just we've a lot of men have lost their grit you know and we need to we need to roughen up the edges a little bit right now and it's just like all right man come on just yeah. go let's do this shit you know and like and that's yeah. that's a point where i've reached myself because it was like i'm just tired of you know um I'm I'm just I'm tired of the way that the the energy is right now, you know, and it's just like, come on, let's just get our shit in order. What the fuck, man? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's yeah. but, and I'm and we and we need stuff like that. So speaking of fitness and stuff, we were talking about it earlier, how it really helped your you really only started getting into fitness to kind of get through your your mental battles and your and when you were trying to get sober yeah. and stuff. So how how was it when you were achieving your sobriety and you were using your fitness to, to, to do that. I mean, how, how did that help in that matter? Well, you know, I never had much, um, money or anything like that. And so I, but I always wanted, I always, you know, and had ambitions to be successful and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And, and, and I, I, uh, I realized that the way that I was thinking about everything, was why I wasn't successful. And, and, and the sobriety thing was a big part of it, but it was more like the discipline was what I was missing from my life. And I don't, and, and so like, you know, a lot of guys talk about the addiction and the AA part of it, but really it's just, you know, it's like, sure. Right. Being, and I can speak to this. I was physically addicted to methadone. Right. And so like, you, you know, your, your body physically needs it or you don't get sick. Right. That's addiction. Right. But like, when you're participating in, you know, behaviors like alcohol and you're not, your body's not like literally physically addicted, but you just drink every day. It's like, you don't have an addiction issue. You have a discipline problem. Right. Mm. And that was for me, you know, well and put. it's like, I had to learn how to stop being a little bitch. Right. And step <laughs> yeah. up, be a man, right. Be a man. Right. And, and get the fuck up out of bed, put my shoes on and go run while everyone else is asleep. Mm-hmm. And, put in some headphones and, and start to re reprogram the way that I think. Right. And I did that through books, audio books. And when I got up and would run and do my fitness, 
journey and I would share it on Instagram, it might look like, like I'm trying to get in shape, but really in the beginning I was, I was reprogramming the way that I think, you know, Mm. and, um, I used to think that I wasn't smart. You know, I thought that I was dumb, you know, um, I wasn't good at school. I didn't think that I could do this. I didn't think that I could do that. You know, I was always a misfit. Um, you know, I never fit in with the cool kids, right? I was always a little bit awkward, right? When I was in big crowds, I always had a little bit of anxiety, right? This is, I had to just un- unravel all the bullshit in my mind, right? Mm. That that um, that was holding me back. And I was able to do that through exercise um, when nobody else was awake, when nobody else was around, and through extra visual exercise and audiobooks. That's amazing. Um, and that was that's what it did for me. You know? That's, that's, that's amazing because it, it's so many people are just, I, I bet there's a handful of people listening to this that are about to put their fucking shoes on. That was awesome, bro. Like that was, you know, like it's, and, and that is, that is so important for people to hear because the, the endorphins that get released and the way you can reconstruct the way your mind works whenever you're exercising is something I'm recently discovering myself because like it's, and it, it's amazing how whenever you realize that it's a discipline issue, the steps you can take and then you're like, oh wow, this is like the best medicine I've ever taken. And you're starting to really work on those things, those, those kinks that are hindering you back in life. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, for me, I realized like, um, you know, there's the person that I used to be mm-hmm. and then there's the person that I am now. And then there's the person that I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's up to me to become that person. And there's a big fucking chance that I'm not going to ever become that person. Right. And that just scared the shit out of me. Right. Because, you know, my mom deserves the best me. I deserve the best me. My kids most definitely deserve the best me. Mm. And, you know, can you imagine living your whole life and just knowing that you gave everybody the shit you? Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. Like, come on. You know what I mean? It's like, find out who you can be, right? Mm -hmm. Find out who you're supposed to be, right? Find out who that ultimate best you in the future is right but it's going to take you getting up and figuring it out right yeah Um, most definitely and taking that holistic approach of like mind body and soul as well and but being scared right being scared of missing out on who you could become yeah you know and it sounds so cliche but it should really scare you because most people don't they miss out on that Mm -hmm. they miss out on who who they could have been yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's very well put. Yeah, exactly. Because like, if you're not trying to be your true best self, then really, like you said, you're just kind of letting all your people down, you know? And it's like, you're, like you said, imagine leaving this world where only people had like the shit version of you and not the absolute best self right. that you can be. That is such an amazing thing. That's, that's a really, really like mentally mature realization to come to, man. I mean, most people would have to dig for so long to be able to come to that for you to just to have that epiphany and be like, listen, I, I'm just, I'm terrified to become that person. So I need to become the person I want to be like, that's, that's some amazing like self initiative and drive, dude. And thank you. And, and you know what I found in that is that once you go on that, once you go on that path and you start and you start um, seeing a little bit of progress, and then it starts getting fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like for, for me, what I learned is that, you know, I don't really want all the money. Like that's not what I'm in. I don't want the success of the things that I told you I was ambitious about before. Those aren't the things that I really want. You know what my heart is yearning for 
is not to be in three states and throw concerts in three states and sell mm-hmm. all this weed, right? What, I'm re- what, what my heart yearns for is progress. Yeah. Right. And, and if, if I'm not experiencing progress, then I, I put myself at risk for being, you know, depressed or sad or stuff like that. Right. And so for me to continue on to um, experience progress, you know, I need to have my ass in gear at all times. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Well put, bro. Well put. Because like I said, like once you once you have that progress going and then once you have the little hiccups or speed bumps or something like that, it can be so difficult to keep your get your momentum going again, you know, to get those even like even just missing a couple days. Like we had a really big um, like a really bad like not really bad, but like it was bad enough to where we couldn't drive anywhere. We had some snow and ice that came through here. And like, and we, we drive a, a car that's not great on the snow and ice. And my homeboy lives like back in the countryside, the one I work out with. So I was just doing shit at home, just doing calisthenics and stuff. But even not being able to leave the house to go really slowed my gears down hard. So keeping that momentum going is super fucking important, especially when you're on the, the journey to improve your mind, body and soul. And I think that holistic approach is one of the best ways you can do it because that's that's also what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to improve the body by going to the gym. I try to be the mind. I'm reading a lot more, and uh, my soul is becoming a lot more spiritual. I'm getting better connections with God and the universe, and having a deeper realization and looking into that stuff more. And also, I'm finding that challenging myself and learning new things is one of the best ways that I've been able to pull myself out of depression and like those really like over anxious days and stuff. Do you? battle with depression and that sort of stuff like you were you kind of mentioned it briefly you know i used to i used to battle with it i i even went on antidepressants at one time in my 20s um how'd you kick it but well you know what during that time i was also um drinking a lot i was also doing a lot of drugs i was also you know working like a part-time job and then i would come home and just sleep the rest of the time mm. um and, and yeah maybe you know, maybe the sleeping and stuff is like some might say is a, a side effect of depression, but but like all the behaviors that I was participating in, I feel like um, caused the depression. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I I understand now that I have one job and it's to be happy, right? I love and that. I'm in charge I love of that. that. I'm in charge of that, right? And it's like, and and I call it my job because it is a job. Because if I'm not at work, like the negativity and, and like all the things of life will start to seep in, like mm. right when I open my eyes, right? And 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 so it's my job to to battle that shit, right? And so, you know, if I'm not being intentional about being happy, I can fuck around and get depressed, right? I can fuck around and not go to the gym or, you know, be lazy and then, you know, overeat and do some cheat meals mm. or whatever, eat donuts all day and then wake up and be like, oh shit, I'm kind of depressed today, right? And it's yeah. like... Um, you know, I wasn't intentional about being happy is what happened. That's how it is for me. That's amazing. Like I take ownership, you know, I take ownership of my happiness. Exactly. Um, And, and it's worked for me, you know, and taking ownership of your actions to see that they're, they're really hindering your progress and causing that whole mess too, because, and that's something that a lot of people really need to hear as well, because it's like, 
it's it's amazing when you actually look at your behavioral patterns and the way you're actually you know you know it, is it depression or are you just not disciplined like you were saying like is it is it a depression problem or is it a discipline problem and a lot of the times like you know it is a discipline problem and I'm finding that out about myself because like I said that if I don't work out in the morning I just feel off all day long like it's like I I just even my whole morning just feels off and then my whole day feels off and stuff and it's like and now it's like at a point where that is my antidepressant and that is how I'm kind of pulling myself out of this because once I have that energy going and, and there's there's something like so amazing feeling whenever you're worked out, showered, sitting there drinking your coffee, about to light up a joint, and the world is still asleep. Like that is such yeah. a dope feeling. I love that. Yeah. Just getting that whole jump start on the whole world is so freaking awesome. Yeah. And so I love it too. I get that in the mornings. I love that in the mornings when I'm up before everyone, you know, and everyone else is asleep, but I'm out getting it. Right. It's like, you know, it, it, it it feels good, right? Yeah. You're, you're accomplishing things. Exactly. You know I mean? And it, it's, it's like the opposite of being depressed. You, mm-hmm. know? you feel like you, you, it's almost like you just, you feel like you're ready for war and you're ready just to take on the whole fucking yeah. world at that point. And everybody's still groggy, is, wiping well, their it, eyes. It, it is war. Yeah. It is war, right? It is, it is war for me. You know what I mean? Because I, I understand, you know, I understand what, where it does lead, you know, mm-hmm. and it's dark, dark place. And, you know, it's a fucking battle. And that's why I always use the swords emojis because, yeah. you know, um, like I said earlier, the shit tries to keep in, man. And if you're not, if you're not intentional about doing what you have to do to keep that depression and, and the, the opposite of progress out of your life, um, then it, it'll, it'll take its hold on you. You know what I mean? But you mm-hmm. have to stand up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And like, and like for, self, for, for like self-talk, like specifically, like, let's talk about it. Right. Like, and it's, you know, I used to have the worst self-talk. Like I used to tell myself I'm stupid. I used to believe I was stupid, mm. right? Now I understand that I'm actually pretty smart yeah. um, and I have three, but, but all these self-talk, tell, the self-talk would, 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 um, it would keep me a prisoner in, in my current, as my current self, right? It wouldn't, mm. it wouldn't allow me to become who I could be, right? My future self. And so like, how do you battle the self-talk, right? And like, for me, I mean, you know, I would be like, oh, I can't do this because I'm stupid. And I would just literally be like, no, I'm not stupid. I have self-worth and I, I have things of value mm-hmm. and my work matters, right? And as, as cheesy as that sounds, right, every time I would have a self-talk that would lead me to a, a road of depression, I would just stop right there and immediately um, insert something of its complete opposite that was actually the truth, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And that would help me kind of reprogram that, that negative self-talk. Those are the, the type of battles that I would have in my mind, um, you know, every day, even today, right. Um, to, to intentionally keep myself away from the, the road of depression. That's amazing. Like, and it's and like, I, I need to do the same type of stuff, man, because I have such bad negative self-talk and I like, I, and it's, and it, it's, I'm one of those people like other people see my attributes way more than I do. Like I'm like, I don't look at myself in a good light at all. And I have to do like a really, really similar thing. And if you don't really get on top of it, it can lead you just down that rabbit hole. And I like that tactic of like, you know, just stopping your depression thoughts, like, you know, like just like mid thought and just being like, no, hold on. Like, you know, like that sort of thing. When I was a kid, I 
these are lies and this is true. Yes, right? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so like when I was a kid, uh, when I, you know, I was like, like, I was like 15, 16 years old. I, that's when I first got diagnosed with depression. I was actually going to a therapist when I was a teenager and cause I got really, really suicidal and I, I didn't like attempt it, but I almost attempted it. And so like, even I, that I caught myself and I was just like, I should go talk to somebody. This isn't okay. I, I shouldn't be feeling this way this young. And so then, um, I started talking to somebody and he made a really good analogy that always stuck with me. He says, when you're dealing with depression and stuff like that, or when you're dealing with negative self-talk, it's like everybody has it, but it's only like a certain degree in which you allow it to affect you. Like you were talking about, there's some people that need to figure out that tactic. Some people need to be told that tactic. Some people never figure it out, but those negative thoughts, he called them automatic negative thoughts. Ants is what the analogy was. And it's like you have one or two ants and they don't really do much damage. Like, you know, you can you can flick them right out of the way. But I mean, enough ants combined can literally move a fucking boulder. So, I mean, it's like, you know, once they get compiled up, it gets to a point where they are an unstoppable force. And it's literally an army you have to go to war with. Every day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved whenever I when I reached out to you about coming on the podcast, that was one of the first things you said. You're like, declare war on yourself every day at 5 a.m. And I was like, this fucking yeah. guy. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's going to be my friend. This is exactly the types of friends I need. I love that shit, man. So t- I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about um, uh, what is your diet like, dude? Like what? I mean, because you're you're fucking jacked, bro. Like I, I'm like, yeah. damn. I want to look like that. Your shoulders are impressive. I'd be really scared to take a Thank hook you. from you. So like, <laughs> yeah. tell me what your diet is uh, like, bro. So I mean, I eat a lot. I eat a lot. Um, I bet you and, have to. And then, um, yeah, and then and then um, full disclosure. You know, I take I take TRT. So yeah. I'm 47, um, and. Um, so two years ago, I went to go get my, my hormones checked. And then, so my hormone, my testosterone levels were like in the gutter. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, I was tired. And, and so I had to, now I have a doctor and he, I take testosterone once a week that replaces the levels, um, to, to, a, you know, a, a high normal level. Mm-hmm. Right. So that helps me with my muscle growth. Um, I'm always open about that because it's important. Right. I don't think it'll left enough guys, especially in my age, talk about the hormonal change that men go through. Oh yeah. Um, it's super you know, important. You know, everyone talks about it with women, but they don't talk about it with, with men. So, so I, I do go to a doctor to have my, my hormones optimized. It does help with my muscle growth mm. and, and my fat loss and all that stuff. It doesn't take away from all the work that I do in the gym literally in the gym every day. If I don't lift then I run, but as far as food, like I wake up, you know, I wake up at five or five thirty every morning and I have a, a bowl of oatmeal, um, with protein powder in it. Um, and then I take my son to school, then I, I hit the gym and then I come home. So today, today I came home, I had four turkey bacon slices. I had four eggs. I had two uh, protein pancakes, a bowl of oatmeal, um, a glass of pomegranate juice, um, a, a, a 12 ounce protein shake, um, and a cup of coffee. Um, and then, and then I I meal prep three other meals, which is ground Turkey and white rice. So Mm -hmm. I'll eat that six ounces of ground Turkey. That's literally what I'm about to make for lunch soon. That's hilarious. Ground Turkey and white rice. So so the, the, the first two meals I mentioned was the two, and then I'll eat three more of the Turkey and rice. So that'll be my five meals for today. 
Mm, that's, um, that's crazy. How I, that's and how I get down. So do you and count macros? On weekends, um, not really. I just try to make good food choices. Okay. Um, I just I do study. Um, I try to. I'm not an expert by any means, but I try to. Um, you know, learn what's good for my body, what's good for my cholesterol, what's bad for my testosterone levels, what's, you know, you know, how much protein I should be intaking. I try to get like a, a, um, a gram and a half of protein for my body weight a day. Um, things like that. Um, but I don't, I don't get crazy and count it. Um, but yeah. Nice. Nice. That's I awesome, eat, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. I was blown away when I first started like getting a little bit more like technical. So I, so a long time ago, I actually dropped like 70 pounds over the course of a year. And, uh, but when, wow. when that happened and it was, it was awesome. And I, I lost a shitload of weight, but I also lost a lot of muscle during that time. Cause I wasn't lifting enough. Mm. So I was like, literally like mostly just focusing on high intensity cardio. And that's what I was doing. And I ended up losing a lot of muscle at the same time. So, uh, now I'm doing it like the correct way and I'm gaining muscle and continuing to burn fat and stuff. But I was, yeah. and I, in order for me to kind of get things back on check, I started counting my macros. And so I know exactly. And for those that listening that don't know what that is, your macros are, you know, protein, carbs, and fat. So I have to know exactly the amount of in, in each meal I can have basically in a certain amount per day. And mine's basically the same. It's about like a gram to a gram and a half per like body weight, uh, for protein. Mine's very, very similar. And so I have to like, I eat just like, and I, I had a notorious problem for not eating. So once I started having to do this and I realized how much I actually have to eat, like, and I'm like, it's like, do you realize it's like a serving yeah. size of rice for me is like a cup and a half of rice. And I'm like, that's so much fucking rice. <laughs> like, it's so much rice. And then you have like a half a pound of freaking chicken breast or something to go with it. And then freaking like a cup and a half of steamed broccoli with it. You're like, Jesus Christ. You just have like this mountain massive of food and it's it's amazing yeah. that i'm able to continue to burn body fat increase muscle and it's and i'm still and i'm eating way more than i ever have really in my entire life it's it's crazy yeah, it's, it's crazy right it yeah. is crazy i'm eating more too like i never used to eat like this i started eating like this like a couple of years ago but um it almost becomes a yeah, chore at one you, point yeah it, it totally is <laughs> yeah. right um it totally is. <laughs> but yeah, I, would, I, I used to think, you know, oh, I just will go without food, right? Yeah. Like I thought that was good for me to like, you know, keep the fat off, right? But it's not good. I think it, having that, having our bodies like in that, that rhythm of, mm-hmm. of constantly um, eating and letting go of the nutrients and, and instead of like trying to hang on to it is, is the best way to go. It, it's crazy how like whenever you don't eat for a period of time and then once you start doing this and then let, let's say you like you have a day where you accidentally maybe skipped a couple meals or something like that. You haven't eaten in a long period yeah. of time and then you like it, you, it's almost like you feel more bloated when you don't eat. Like, you know, it's like whatever yeah. you're not eating, you yeah. feel like puffed up. And then for some reason, after you eat, it's like all of that water in your body's like, okay, we got something now, you know, <laughs> and it starts like taking care of it all and shit. But yeah, it was it, for those, for those listening, if you want to lose weight, you have to eat more than you realize you have to eat so much more than you fucking realize. 
it's crazy. But but I mean, as long as you make like like you said, just making good choices is really what it's all about. And you know, and things are cool in moderation, but that's just it. Moderation. For me, my kryptonite is yeah. sweets. Like I literally like I shouldn't yeah. even have them in the fucking house because like if it's you know, if it's there, I'm probably gonna eat them all. <laughs> it's like I just yeah. it's, it's yeah, and it's something I have to really keep in mind of. Like if I do like crave ice cream or something for dessert, I like to get the halo top ice cream. You ever get that? Yeah, it's 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 good. It's really good, but it's like keto friendly and shit. It's a lot lighter and stuff, okay. so it's it's not it's not nearly as bad. And they have like different sweeteners that they use and stuff. So speaking of fitness and stuff, I wanted to uh, had a couple little just kind of like fun questions for you about like you know about working out and stuff like that. And then I got one more question I still want to ask people on the podcast from now on, and then we'll go ahead and sign off. So a couple little kind of like you know low key lightning round questions. So uh, machines or free weights? I do both. Both. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite time to work out? Um, early in the morning. Early in the morning. Uh, food before or after? Uh, food before a workout or you work out fasted? Um, I do. I do. It just depends if I'm trying to gain. Right now I'm doing it before. Okay. Okay. Uh, cardio before or after weights? After. Okay. And if you could work out with any celebrity, who would it be and why? Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Bumstead would be dope. Who's that? Um, I just... Um, he's the current three-time uh, Mr. Olympia champion for uh, classic physique. Oh, okay. Um, there you go. <laughs> which, which is, which is kind of like the. He's not like not like the the, the giant guys, but the division right below that. Um, so they have like this classic style. But Chris is. Um, you have to look him up. He's he's won he's won it three years in a row the Mr. Olympia. And he's just a really grat- grateful guy, and he has a really great message about and mindset about being a champion and i think it would be dope to to work out with them hell yeah that's what's up man and so one new question i want to ask people whenever they come on the show before we sign off is you mean you got the hippie speedball podcast audience listening and everything and then you know the culture and cannabis audience will be listening as well so tell me what do you want your message to the world to be um you know i just it's really just my my intention to just really leave leave a, a a an enormous positive um, and motivational impact on the cannabis community. Um, I want that to be my legacy. I want it to, I want to stand for um, positivity, motivation, um, and, and, and helping people get better. Hell yeah. Well, you are well on your way, man. So let's let the people know where they can find you, bud. Hit me up, uh, jc.coats um, on Instagram, uh, culture and cannabis on Instagram. The, our website is culture and cannabis LV is in Las Vegas.com. Uh, check us out. There's all kinds of dope content on there. It's all free. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can pick up our products, um, all through Nevada. You can pick up all of our, our TC products all through Oklahoma as well. Hell yeah, dude. And I'll have all the uh, links for all of that in the description for this episode down below. So people can click that, give you a follow and definitely go check out JC Coates and culture and cannabis and all the amazing things that you guys are going to be doing, bro. This was a blast. I cannot wait to meet you, man. And thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me, bud. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Hippie Speedball Podcast. It is Joe, your host with the most Joe, and I will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.